All right, here we are, shows with Shafrin. <laughs> Lawyers and lattes, baby. Lawyers and lattes. Yeah. Well, welcome to um, another episode of Ways to Win with Weinstein. This one, this episode is going to be slightly different because I'm actually going to be interviewed uh, by Matt, Matt Shafrin. So Matt, tell us first who you are. Why do you get to do the interviewing today? I have, I have the ultimate <laughs> privilege to interview Mr. Weinstein himself. Uh, because me and Justin go way back as both friends and now obviously partners in the business, and um, and I just I just get that privilege. It's one of the perks of working with uh, Mr. Weinstein. Excellent. So we're going to test your your interviewing skills. Yeah, this is this is obviously what I went to school <laughs> for. So uh, so here we go. Let's let's first start off with a little bit of background on you, um, where you grew up, and uh, how you ended up in in the position you're in today. Right. So I grew up in uh, South Florida. Uh, I was born in Hollywood, but um, my family had split time in both uh, Boca and uh, Weston. Boca in the early years and Weston more so throughout uh, high school. And um, then my mother's side, they lived in Weston. My father, because my parents are are divorced, um, lives in uh, Boca and now Boynton. Because they recently moved. But I went and I went to American Heritage for high school. Um, I actually went to two high schools, um, ninth grade. I was in Olympic Heights in Boca. And then when I moved, I moved on to private school at American Heritage, uh, the Patriots. Um, and you know, shortly after, uh, high school went up to FSU for, for college. And, um, I was actually, that's where I met you up there. Um, and I joined a fraternity uh, Sigma Phi Epsilon, you were in Pi Kappa Phi, um, but the fraternities were pretty close. Yeah, very um, close. And so we got to hang out uh, a little up in Tallahassee, uh, Go Knowles, and uh, there is where I majored in business, just strict business management. No um, pre-law, no you know political science, nothing like that. No. In fact, I didn't know that I was going to pursue law until a year after college. You were kind of... Uh, not forced into it, but it was a suggestion by someone, right? Yes. One of my best friends suggested that uh, we take the LSAT together. But going back to Florida State, um, I had a bunch of majors. I just didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, I would say that I still don't, but I do. Uh, but that's only been a more recent uh, recent thing with the firm and, and also a long-term goal of mine that I've that I've come up with that we can we can touch on later. But back in college, uh, didn't really have a direction. So I was uh, choosing a lot of different majors and uh, trying to figure out what it was that I was interested in, you know, um, a passion, because ultimately, I think what what we all strive to do is do something we're passionate about and something that fulfills us, um, which is how I ended up where I am now. But on that journey, there were multiple majors. There was uh, fitness, uh, kinesi- kinesiology, which is the study of movement. Um, there was finance. And then I ended up uh, in a very general major of business management. Um, that was actually a direction that a lot of our friends went in. A lot of them went into finance or business, accounting, things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they're still, you know, they're still working in those particular fields. Um, And then some also didn't even use whatever they majored in, um, in their career. So after I got out of, um, out of school, this was back in 2008, uh, 
had a lot of uh, opportunities, a lot of different uh, paths I could have took uh, and interviewed with different companies. Uh, I took a couple of interviews for you know business positions, generally entry level uh, things, but ultimately I resorted back to what I knew how to make some good money, which was in the service industry. Um, back in college, I was um, I was bartending a little bit. I was bar, uh, bar backing. I was doing some serving, serving tables, uh, just to quick get the quick money uh, and figure out how to pay bills. Um, and so I took that skill and I moved to a couple of restaurants down here. I actually helped open the W Hotel in Fort Lauderdale. Their their bars that were uh, back then they were ran by what's called uh, the Gerber Group. Um, and then, you know, I worked there for around a year. And then I also at the same time worked at a restaurant, an Italian restaurant called Brio, where I was a bartender there. That's where I was actually initially convinced to take the LSAT. Um, I remember one of my best friends, Jordan, uh, Jordan had claimed that he saw a show on TV or something. He thought it was cool and we should take the LSAT. Uh, so I decided that I was going to go ahead and take the test with him. Um, and I remember actually strategically writing out kind of, um, the differences between a law degree and just getting, let's say, um, my MBA, right? Cause I definitely knew I wanted to go to grad school. I mean, I think at that point in 2008, uh, a college degree was great, but you knew you had to take it a little bit further. Right. And so I wrote out specifically how old I would be when I graduated that grad school, how long it took, how much it costs generally, um, and then I weighed my options. And also one of the factors was, am I going to be more marketable to employers if I have a business degree as well as a law, um, a law degree? So that combination really made me choose to go to law school. I could have just went and got an MBA. A lot of people were doing that. Right. It was basically an extension of my, um, my college, yeah, my undergraduate studies. So I wanted to diversify kind of my, my resume. And, um, and that, that friend who uh, got you into that, who took the LSAT with you, he became a lawyer too, right? No. Oh. He didn't become a lawyer. Um, he's actually, he's stuck with business. And at, at that time he was, he had already applied to some, um, some different businesses and he decided to accept the offer instead of going to law school with, which at that time, um, seemed, and it was the best decision for him. It was a lot of money, a lot of, you know, good salary back then. Uh, and even now, and he decided to make that choice. I decided to go. Uh, so I ended up going and attending Nova Southeastern university in Davie. Uh, their College of Law, Shepherd Broad, which is where uh, you also went, and we, we reconnected there um, after that year in between college and law school. Um, you know, and we've, we've studied for the bar together, we studied, we had classes together, uh, and then we also took different paths leaving. Right, um, me and you, you're saying. Yes. yes, leaving law school, we took different paths. When, um, when you were in law school, did you take any classes or, or any internships or anything like that that made you think, hey, I want to be a personal injury lawyer, I want to represent victims of car accidents and slip and fall and things like that? I, so we took courses that were required, for example, torts. Torts is required. Uh, we took, uh, I was a member of the trial association, the moot court society, as well as the, um, the law review, which is the written, uh, 
written, you know, um, group newsletter. The, yeah, it's like something like that. Yeah, it's publication and um, it's highly respected as something you put on your resume. It's a, like an extra activity that you do um, when you're in law school to learn how to write, how to write legally. Um, and with the correct citations and things like that, and uh, how to review case law, and how you form, formulate the arguments. And obviously the moot court was more of an appellate um, type of uh, you know, argument, an oral argument in front of a judicial panel. Different type of skill set. Yes, so uh, one was more so the litigation track where you have to present a case and you have to uh, articulate your arguments orally. Uh, and be able to convince people of your point. You know, what's your point? What are you arguing? Um, and who are you arguing for on, on their behalf? And what are you trying to get across on, in their best interest? So that was that. Um, trial Association had a little bit of that as well, where, you know, you had to do openings and closings and parts of the trial. Uh, so I did all three. Um, which I, I want to say was somewhat unusual for the people in Nova. Yeah, absolutely. I only did a trial association. That was, that was my passion. So you, you, you padded that resume. Yeah, I did. Uh, and it, it definitely helped me get my first job. Um, let's talk about that. Your first job. What, yeah. um, what field was it? And, uh, what, what did you learn from that job? Well, part of going back to your question of, did I take those courses or what led you to go into personal injury? was the actual job market at the time we, we graduated. We graduated in 2012. Um, the job market, uh, you know, I, I went into law school thinking that it would turn around and we would have a ton of jobs to go after and, you know, everything would be great in that respect. Um, I remember walking into one of my first interviews uh, as a Nova 3L because when you, when you go and you're trying to get a job for a couple months after, um, after you graduate during the summer, you still have to take the bar exam in September. So you're basically saying to these employers, I will be available as a full-time attorney to you once I pass the bar. Um, the bar is actually July and then you get your passing grades uh, or whether you pass in September right. typically. So um, you're telling these employers that you'll be available at a certain month or date or um, you know, as a full-time attorney. So I went into my first interview, and as soon as I walk in, in the waiting room of the firm, there was four or five other Nova grads vying after the same job. Um, now, obviously, you would get a lot of your job leads and where you would apply for jobs through the career development office of Nova. So I wasn't necessarily surprised, but it did show you how competitive the, uh, you know, the job market was at that time. So I tried to do my best to differentiate myself from everybody that was in that room, um, which you can imagine could be difficult. So um, my first job ever uh, outside of law school was at a PIP plaintiff's firm. And so what, it, what does that mean? What yeah. does PIP's plaintiff's firm mean? So a personal injury protection in Florida, Florida is what's called a no-fault state. And typically when I speak to a potential client or someone who um, recently got in a car accident, They'll say, oh, yeah, I heard that. I heard that term, no-fault state. Uh, yeah, I know what that is. Um, but then you get into talking about it, and it's, it's a little different than what they thought. Basically, what we did is we helped doctors and any provider, medical provider that treats a car accident patient uh, for, you know, sprains, strains, whiplash, broken bones, whatever it is, 
if they're providing treatment to that car accident patient, they submit bills to that person's insurance company. And that person's insurance company will pay under the personal injury protection coverage that that person has. And it's called no fault coverage because if we're in an accident uh, and I rear end you, that coverage for my insurance will cover me. But it won't cover you. No matter. And no it matter doesn't what. matter if I rear-ended you. It doesn't right. matter if I swerve out of the way of an animal and I cause a wreck. And you know, it, it's the animal's fault. You know, I'm claiming it's the animal's. Fault. What, but what's the reasoning behind that? Why do you think the legislature did that? The legislature wanted to encourage people, regardless of fault. Um, and you know, a lot of people worry about their finances and in, in in making sure that they're healthy and they're they're, you know, they are back to their pre-accident. Um, health. So, you know, they wanted to encourage people to go for treatment, regardless of who's at fault. It's a way to protect everybody involved in the accident. You could imagine if I mistakenly rear end you, mistakenly, but it was my fault, okay, but I get injured, okay, and I don't have a lot of money or I don't have health insurance, I may opt to not go because I'm scared of the hospital bill. I'm scared of how much money. Is it going to put me in the hole? I don't really know how much it costs. And I try to wing it and try to, you know, heal myself at home. They wanted to discourage that. They wanted people to feel confident that the bills will be paid up to a certain amount. It's $10,000 in Florida. Some states that I think, I believe there's about 12 states now that still have PIP uh, or no fault law. Um, And some states are different. Some states have higher uh, limits, but Florida is $10,000. The other coverage that's required in Florida is property damage liability. Um, so when, when you hear people say, I'm fully covered, I'm fully covered, I hear this all the time, it does not mean you're fully covered. Full coverage typically means that you have the two mandatory insurances under Florida. So when someone tries to sell you insurance, they're, they're trying to sell it for the commission, right. most likely. They're saying you're fully covered on a legal basis. Yes, as in, you won't be um, ticketed for no insurance. Right. You won't lose your license because you don't have the correct insurance. Right. right. But there are so many different types of coverages, different types of insurance that people you know, have to pay an extra premium for, but are very essential to cover what happens in a case, right. uh, what, ha- what happens in an accident. And uh, a lot of times we have to be that bearer of bad news to say, you know, your insurance agent told you you were fully covered. Unfortunately... That's not the case, and here's why. So going back to the two mandatory coverages in Florida, one is personal injury protection. That's $10,000. No fault. Doesn't matter who's at fault. It covers you up to $10,000. Yourself, the driver, not the other person you injured. Okay. Okay. The other one was the property damage liability. That does matter who's at fault. And if I was at fault for causing the rear-end accident between us, that would mean that my insurance would pay for the damage to your vehicle up to $10,000. Those are the two only ones that are mandatory. Okay. The other ones, the ones that we try to go after for an injured party is called bodily injury liability. So that liability word means it matters who's at fault. It matters that I caused it. Yeah. And we'll touch on that in a little bit, but uh, just to get back to your first job, that, that personal injury protection law firm, how long did you work there? Um, and, and obviously we know you're the founder of Weinstein Legal, so we want to know what made you go from the personal injury protection uh, field to where you are today and what you do today. Sure. So the personal injury protection job, the first job I had um, was at a smaller firm in, in Boca Raton, 
and I was there for a little over a year. Um, and I had the opportunity to, to bring in some business, meaning a doctor, the friend that I knew of, um, that needed our help, that needed some, um, some help in that field, collecting payments from insurance companies. And so I decided to use that as, as leverage and move on to another firm. Um, and that other firm had obviously provided um, extra compensation uh, and, and extra benefits for my ability to bring in business. Uh, and I used that connection that I had. And um, luckily, well, not really luckily, the hard work had uh, brought some really, really good results that led to some good introductions with other doctors. And I slowly but surely under another another person's firm decided to build my network and build my clientele. And at the same time, is that how you learned how to practice bodily injury? No, that that spot. No, okay. actually, it's not. Um, that firm also only did uh, PIP, a personal injury protection, on behalf of the doctors. So up until that point in my career, I was only representing doctors. Okay. Um, as soon as I built up enough of a clientele to where I believed I would be able to thrive on my own, uh, I went off and I brought those clients with me. It, there's a specific process under the Florida Bar that um, we reach out to each client specifically and say, hey, we're leaving, uh, or this attorney is leaving. You can decide to stay with the firm. You can go with the attorney, or you can pick a completely different firm. So we sent those letters out to all of my, my clients at the time, and luckily, because you know I was their main point of contact, they decided to go with me. Um, and then I founded Weinstein Legal in January of 2016. And it, at first, only dealt with the doctor claims. It was, uh, at that point, my, my forte, my expertise was in that field. I felt confident, and I was working at that time with 18 different medical providers. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously, now the firm handles bodily injury claims. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did you venture off and start handling bodily, bodily injury claims along with the PIP? Sure. So bodily injury claims, uh, just to be absolutely sure the audience knows what we're talking about, the PIP claims, as I said before, were representing the doctors that treat the people involved in car accidents. So bringing on bodily injury or, or personal injury, to which is interchangeable, um, means that I would be starting to represent people that were actually injured in the car accidents. Um, the, and that, that's what people really think of when they hear personal injury, right? They think of car accidents, slip and fall, uh, they're injured due to someone else's negligence. Yes, I, and that's that's what I would hope everyone would think, uh, would first think about. Um, but there's also kind of other niches uh, as far as, you know, medical malpractice or products liability, if a product injures somebody um, that we dabble in and we also co-counsel with some, some firms that specialize specifically right. in those areas. But yes, personal injury, uh, is, is the car accident, the slip and fall, um, someone else's negligence has caused the injury. Okay. And so we also help people on other claims, like you were mentioning, the medical malpractice, products liability, and we have uh, other attorneys that we work with as well on those claims. Yes. And uh, I will tell you that, you know, continuing on with why I started the bodily injuries, I, I continuously saw the process that you know, I started representing the doctors and the MRI facility and the orthopedic doctor. 
Uh, and I started seeing the process through and through of each doctor, each facility, each place that they went for treatment. And I started piecing together the process. Um, and I just knew that there was an opportunity for me to expand the practice um, while also helping more people who are victims of someone else's negligence in a car accident. Um, and I also had to meet with several other attorneys uh, and make sure that I had every single step right. But six months in, I started my own personal injury practice. Let's get back to that as well. So uh, January of 2016, you started the practice. Uh, did you start it on your own? Did you have any employees, any office staff? Anyone? Just me. Okay. I was working out of my house. All right. And now look at you. The first year I worked out of my house, uh, and I didn't have any help. I was filing every motion. I was filing every lawsuit. I was sending out every demand. Um, I had 18 clients, 18 main clients. They all sent me a different number of, of cases, um, which are like the recovery claims for the insurance companies. But I was doing all of it. I was mailing out everything. I was going to the post office. I was making best friends with the, the, <laughs> the mail, mail, mail people, um, mailmen and women. Mail right? people, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I would see them every day. And I, would, I was running the whole thing, all of it. Great. Yeah. So what that means is that as the founder of the firm, you have multiple roles. You're not just a lawyer here, right? You have other roles that you have to encompass um, day to day. Talk about some of those other roles besides being a lawyer. Yeah. So um, besides, besides being a lawyer, um, as a, an, uh, an owner and a starter of a firm, a founder, um, you have to be very, very aware of finances. So accounting, you're an accountant. Uh, until you get to hire one. Um, you have to be aware of marketing, um, advertising. Your social media presence is in, included in that. Uh, and you have to be really aware of what your reputation is, in, in um, not only in the legal community, but your p potential clients, what they think of you. And you have to be able to follow up with all of them. Uh, and then you're also, once you hire staff, you're the HR person. Um, you're the office manager. You are the inventory person. Everything in regards to uh, the paper for your printer to uh, if you move into an office, you have to talk about how are you going to um, secure the office with, a, with an alarm system, um, you know, paying rent. Um, all of those financial aspects are things that day to day I have to have a tab on and I have to know the numbers. One of the things that I've learned uh, throughout these four and a half years now is if you don't know the numbers, you, you're not playing the game. And the game is to build a business, to be obviously as profitable as possible, but doing it in an efficient way that basically will promote and grow your, your mission um, and, and bring you to, the, to ultimate fulfillment in what you're doing. Let's actually, I like the word you use, let's talk about that for a second. At the firm, we talk a lot about our mission, our values, uh, what are some of the core principles, mission, values that you hold true to your heart and, and want to be trickled down through the firm and through everyone here? Sure. So um, we have four main values at Weinstein Legal. Um, the first one is fun. I want everybody to have a great time when they're working here. But that, um, that incorporates uh, sometimes we'll have uh, bring your pet to work day, bring your kid to work day. Um, we have generally we have once a week or once every couple of weeks uh, firm lunch or a breakfast meeting and, and you know just really 
uh, a family type atmosphere. Uh, I don't want it to be stuffy. There's a stigma around law firms that uh, you come in, you have to have a shirt and tie every day. You have to, um, and, and we have a dress code, but I'm not sitting here um, in a shirt and tie every day in 150 degree weather in South Florida. Um, Thank you. But we are we are being um, business casual if we're not meeting with clients. Uh, and when we're meeting with clients, uh, we, we still try to look uh, the part, right? Uh, and that goes for everyone here. So fun is the number one, the number one value. We also, um, caring is another value, right? Um, just caring and showing that you care uh, for everything. And that includes caring for yourself, caring for your surroundings, uh, so the office, caring for the client, obviously is um, our, our number one concern and caring for each other, caring for uh, your, your colleagues and the people that you get to work with every day. And that also moves into the third, which is responsibility. When I have a responsibility to, um, to ourselves, a responsibility to each other, and obviously first and for foremost, our responsibility to the client. Within that includes punctuality, it includes um, you know, diligence with our work, uh, being very detail-oriented, and making sure that we're doing everything in our power to help the client. Um, what I try to instill in everyone is every single little action that you do at the office, even if it's something as mundane as mailing something, putting something in the mail, running to the mail, um, you know, the post office, filling out a form that seems like it doesn't matter, but it's part of someone's case, or sending off a records request, whatever it is, remember that ultimately, it leads to the ultimate goal, which is the success of that person's case. If we can get an amazing result for a client, you're gonna get the fulfillment that you want out of working here. Meaning that person coming to us and saying, oh my God, thank you so much for helping me. You helped me not only um, uh, health-wise, because you were, you, were um, you were able to see what kind of treatment I was getting. And you know, sometimes we recommend certain offices that only deal with these particular type of injuries. Um, but you helped me financially. Uh, you helped me deal with insurance companies that I, I don't have time for that. I don't want to deal with that. All these people are typically are, are working. They have families. They want to deal with other things other than a tragic event like what's happened to them. So we have to take the stress off their shoulders and we do everything we can to get them the best result. Uh, so that's responsibility. And the last one is community. Uh, and with community, we throw a lot of, um, you know, charitable fundraisers. We get behind a lot of organizations and we want to be uh, able to give back uh, to the community because, again, it, it, only, it only comes full circle. Um, you know, I've lived here pretty much all my life. And I, I want to be a force for good and a force for change uh, and be able to leave a legacy, something behind that says I made a difference. And the best way I think I can do that is through my business right now. Uh, we typically do a charity once a month when obviously the, the um, pandemic isn't, isn't going on. Sure. Um, and we get behind organizations like MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, um, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, Brianna Vergara Foundation, Make-A-Wish, um, Deliver the Dream. You know, those are just to name, uh, name a couple, the, the, um, the uh, Anthony, Anthony Rizzo Foundation, yep. you know, and they're typically like uh, 5K walks or 
um, get-togethers, silent auctions, those sorts sorts of things. But um, and and one of and what that kind of culminates in all those values is a family atmosphere. It's also it's a business, but it's also a family atmosphere here at the office. Um, and as it relates to the giving back to the community, um, one of the really thoughtful things that that we do is everyone who works here is able to kind of pick something that's near and dear to their heart a charity a a walk something like that so that we can give back to cause that everyone here believes in right we can all show each other that we care about each other's lives outside of the office right i want it to tie in i want everybody to feel like um they are appreciated and part of that appreciation is for caring about them outside of the office um caring so, about their passions their yes, interests exactly and i also try to um what we also do is we find out specifics about our clients lives in the same fashion um you know we want to make sure that it's not just a business relationship we have here it's um we want you to be part of our family. And in order to do that, we try and get details um, about you and your life and what you're going through. And it helps us really understand what you're going through and be able to express that to an adjuster. You know, a lot of times people don't understand the adjuster is just someone trying to do their job, looking at the facts, and they may not know the client as a human being. They don't know, they, they haven't seen a picture. They don't know most about maybe... Um, you know, what their career is like or what they go through day to day, what their family is like, their financial background, anything like that. If I can paint a better picture for my client to get the best result, I'm going to do that. But the way I need to do that is to know more about the client. Right. And it's not, um, it's just an open dialogue, conversations. It's being able to build rapport with people and, and understand what they're going through in a stressful time. Um, and so I, you know, I really try to instill that in our staff is, you know, get to know our clients. What's their favorite music, their favorite, you know, uh, if they, if they like wine, if they have kids, if they, if they have a charity that they're interested in, is it something that we can get involved in? Um, I know one of our clients recently, um, he was in a, in a band, you know, and he plays cover songs and things like that. So before COVID and before the pandemic, I was thinking of, yeah, let's, in, let's, you know, have him come to the office or near the office and we can throw an event and, you know, promote his band as long as they're good, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, just all jokes aside, we wouldn't have known that unless we built that relationship right. with him. And, and that's what it's about, right? It's about building these lasting relationships with these people to, to bring them in to the Weinstein legal family. Yeah, absolutely. hundred okay. percent. Good. Um, and just want to end really with, uh, your, what is your favorite aspect of this whole process, whether it's legally or the business, what, what is, what do you get the most enjoyment, uh, out of as a business owner, as the founder of Weinstein legal? Uh, so, it, you know, it, it's obvious that I, I enjoy when someone says we did the best job for them and we, we took them out of the depths of a, an extremely stressful, unbelievable situation that they thought they would never get out of themselves. You know, to be um, the person that they rely on, the office that they rely on, um, it's, it's, I want to say humbling, but it's just, it's a responsibility that I like and I enjoy taking on. We're a lifeline, right? And as long as uh, we're here, we're going to be, we're going to do as much as we possibly can to get that person back on their feet. 
Now, obviously, that's something that is extremely fulfilling for me, uh, and it's fulfilling when we get to give back to the community. I personally enjoy being able to say we've we've donated thousands to these organizations, and we've actually seen a lot of the results firsthand. Um, we participate in a charity called Charity for Champions. Um, an orthopedic group uh, doctor that we work with actually founded it, uh, and I've had the opportunity to hand out scholarships to to seniors in high school going off to college and to do some great things. And I get to follow up with them, um, you know, once six months a year and find out where they are and what they're doing. And I know that I've contributed to their success. Um, so when they actually go into their career and they're able to report back to me, it's going to be even more fulfilling and, and I'm going to feel even better and happier for our family that we were able to contribute to that person's life uh, and their their journey. So that's that's really two of the main ones. And then the last thing that I genuinely, genuinely love is building building the business. Being able to build something from nothing is very rewarding and taking care of everyone that works here and, and then the staff. That's great. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, listen, I appreciate you letting me interview you and talk to you. As one of my best friends and my partner, this has been a pleasure. Um, if anyone ever needs anything, if you need uh, a personal injury attorney, if you are a doctor or an orthopedic, if you need any any help with anything, uh, if you have questions about the process, the law, uh, anything that we can help you that is relates to these fields, please always feel free to give us a call. Absolutely, we'll put our contact information into the chat uh, or the um, the text at the bottom, and then also we will have a second interview to discuss more about uh, the partnership and where we see the firm going uh, and to give uh, uh, out some updates on what's going on in the, in the firm uh, and possibly some legal updates. We'll yep. see. Um, so thank you everybody for joining and we'll see you next time.